Welcome to the Made to Parade podcast, sponsored by the British Drum Company, manufacturers of the Phantom, Regimental Series and Axial Parade drums that look amazing, sound amazing and feel amazing. Folks, welcome along to another episode of the, the Made to Parade podcast, something a wee bit different this time around. I am joined by three gentlemen who were involved in a, a conference that took place recently um, called Reinvisiting the Future, and we're going to have a wee bit of chat about what that was all about. But guys, you just want to introduce yourselves just to kind of kick things off, maybe say who you are and what it is that you do. Hi, are you, Glenn? I suppose I'll kick off. Uh, my name's James Key. I'm currently working on a Peace Impact programme employed by the Northwest Cultural Partnership. But I'm based out in the rural community in the Solace Centre half, which is in the northwest of the province, halfway between London Derry and Strabane. Brilliant. Uh, hi, Glenn. Uh, see you again. I've been on one of your podcasts before from the William King Memorial Flute Band. Uh, like James, I also work in the Northwest Cultural Partnership as well. Uh, and uh, before that, there I was coordinator of Londonderry Bannersworn for five years. Right. Hi, Glenn. I'm uh, Brian Doherty. I've been a, a community worker in Londonderry for about 25 years. I currently work uh, with both the Northwest Cultural Partnership and the Londonderry Bannersworn. Brilliant. Well, absolutely delighted to, to have you on, guys. Appreciate it, you taking the time out to be with us. Maybe it'd be useful for us to start with a wee bit of a review on what the, the actual conference was, how it came about, and what actually happened as a result. Whoever wants to start. Well, I'll give you a wee brief uh, on it. Um, envisioning the future, first of all, I think the title changed on two or three occasions before we got to that, and... Uh, for those that were in attendance, they seen our logo and it was explained that it was a dovetail joint and uh, the thinking behind that is if you Google dovetail joints, it talks about the resistance to being separated. So um, we looked at overall themes and, and what we wanted to achieve from this here. But I suppose as people that has been working in that community sector for quite a number of years and predominantly within PUL communities and at, at the minute we're obviously going through a very uncertain term. Uh, political uncertainty, let's say, and the civic instability, and we thought, right, we have got to get communities together here. There was such a disconnect, no matter where you went, whatever community you were in, uh, especially PUL communities, they, there was a cry out for leadership, there was a cry out for ideas, there was a cry out to let their voice be heard. So we decided, uh, right, we're going to go province-wide here, we're going to strategically pick people from certain areas that some were involved in community development, mm -hmm. some we had anything from a clergyman to a school teacher and everybody else in between attend there. And then what we done then, we, we were adamant that this was going to be two, a two-day conference full of positivity because we were aware of projects that were being delivered there right across the province. All the good, positive stuff and the empowering of people there in these PUL communities. But... They were disconnected. That one didn't know what the other one uh -huh. was doing. So we did come up with a, a series of themes uh, and just to run through them, for example, we started off, we, we obviously decided on who your guest speakers was going to be and up first was Professor Pete Sherlow from Liverpool University uh, telling us about why the union, uh, he picked that theme. Followed on then with other themes such as culture as a solution, education. We had uh, two school teachers, one from Londonderry, one from Belfast, uh, looking at, uh, let's say, models of good practice that they used that wouldn't normally be used in other, mm -hmm. uh, right across the education sector. Uh, our story in the making, 
something very important and I think that's maybe part of the reason that we're with yourself today Glenn is you know we have a lot of good stories to tell there but how do we get it out in a positive yeah. how do we communicate in a positive manner manner and thanks to yourself taking part in uh in one of the sessions that day too and then we finished then day two from halfway to, through on day two we wanted to focus on solutions. We opened up to the floor for those that maybe didn't have the chance to contribute in the first day and a half or so to make sure that everybody got by. And um, the outcome, hopefully, is going to be a short uh, document. Um, the last session, by the way, was called Unified Strategy, and that Unified Strategy is going to take place through this document, a summary of what happened, but more importantly, actions attached to the back of it. Short term, long term, medium term. That's sure. going to be maybe a 20 page or something like that. And again, for those who are there, the only people that wasn't excluded from the first part of this uh, series of events was politicians. Now, it wasn't that we were just totally disgruntled by politicians or anything <laughs> else. We felt, here's people wants their voice heard. Uh, yeah. We wanted to make sure they had an open floor and they were comfortable in doing that. So once we uh, come together, create this document, we will follow that up with uh, sessions with uh, politicians, political parties, um, and other sectors, youth. I think it's important that we incorporate youth and what ideas we have going forward here as well. Brilliant. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about there was, obviously you've given us a, a good overview of what you were hoping to do, but... Where uh, does you said a wee bit about where it's come from? How long did it take you in terms of uh, assessing the needs in terms of community, in terms of actually getting to the place where the conference was actually, was happening? I, I'm very fortunate. Look, see that I have two colleagues like these guys beside me. In 2012, uh, an initiative by the Londonderry Bands Forum uh, decided that you know we should look at similar-minded groups and form a consortium of groups. Because in that PUL community, somebody like myself, that's a member of uh, all the institutions, the Orange, the Black Bicepria and the Prentice Boys, we are very parochial in our thoughts. So back 2012, um, and then the first employee that came on board was Mr Derek Moore here, Londonderry Bands Forum, beside me. They approached myself uh, 2013. Don't forget that the UK City of Culture was coming to uh, our city, the city of Londonderry. And what we found we had then, we had another, we had six similar-minded groups coming round the table. And we just found that the strength that was there, there was more expertise, there was different levels of expertise. But personally, I can only say where I come from. We had three years without government here in Stormont. Mm -hmm. And what we found in the communities that we were in was that there was a cry out for you know, some type of leadership. I have to say that we were identified as that alternative type of leadership. So this has been work in progress, Glenn, for five, six, seven years. Right. Fast forward, you know, uh, the reason I mentioned um, uh, the UK City of Culture, we had similar issues where we had 60, 70 PUL communities sitting in a room, uh, let's say, disagreeing with each other. Mm -hmm. we, we, we weren't going to take part in this year-long party that was happening up in our city. Right, okay. And I remember it was a Friday night when I, I stood to my feet in St. Collins Park and I said, right, guys, I'm away home here. We need to submit proposals or we're going to miss this party. And some of the initiatives that we come up with, um, there was a, a Rabbi Burns event that was distributed uh, across schools. Um, and I suppose the, the big one, we had the European Highland Dance Championships that year, which was accepted and we got support for it. 
but it was uh, the Wall City tattoo, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no way that myself and the organisation that I work for, the Unbreedy and District Ulster Scots Development Association, could have delivered that on our own, and only for that consortium of groups coming together. Now, we had an event that cost £550,000, 13,500 people uh, attended that, but we had to raise 250 grand of that ourselves. Right, okay. Um, now, we had that big marketing thing called UK City of Culture. It was successful. We went again in 2014, and it's been running since. There was one lapse uh, for a year. We moved it from outdoor to indoor. Well, obviously, we had a cutter cloth mm-hmm. to suit. But it was identifying a cry for help out there from the MPUL communities and say, we need some guidance, we need some support here, folks. Right. Glenn, I think, I mean, uh, James probably been a bit modest in all this as well. I mean, if you ask where this kind of process of alternative leadership that James referred to came from, I, I, I can probably trace it back a wee bit longer. I mean, Londonderry, we're, we're, we're a very different breed of people up there because we've almost been forced into it. I mean, I, I've lived there... Uh, all my life, 53 now, these guys are slightly older, but the, the <laughs> principle's the same. I mean, if you're a minority community in a, in a largely nationalist uh, city, then your whole psyche and mentality uh, kind of changes. I mean, we always refer to ourselves as being in, in Londonderry, peripheral to Belfast, peripheral to Dublin, peripheral to Westminster, peripheral to Brussels, but with Londonderry ourselves, as a minority community, we're even more seen as outsiders, so uh, for 50 years we've, we've kind of been fighting for that voice, or fighting for that equality, and we don't want to sit here and slag off our elected representatives, but I mean, th- this vacuum didn't appear by magic, you know, it, th- this process didn't appear by magic, it came through uh, basically a, a frustration as to how uh, we were treated both within the city and how we were represented. You know, so guys our age and our generation kind of came together through that frustration. And I suppose where some of our political leadership does uh, deserve some credit was in the mid-90s, there was a, a lot of negotiation that happened in the city around parading at the time, if you mm-hmm. remember, uh, particularly around the Apprentice Boys parade. But, you know, at that time it was more uh, kind of mediation out of necessity. You know, there was no sense of generosity coming from the nationalist community, even from, I suppose, the the unionist community towards nationalism was about finding a solution to, to the parade to ensure that our culture could continue to be expressed within within the city. And yeah. uh, you know, so kind of people like William Hay and and, and, and others and the apprentice boys, I mean like Alistair Simpson, Billy Moore, did I suppose break the grass, glass ceiling in terms of of, of, of negotiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so we were kind of developing those linkages maybe before anywhere else in the province. And when we've kind of built on that, you know, uh, during that kind of vacuum that James referred to, you know, this kind of alternative leadership emerged that that kind of says, well, okay, if if we're not getting represented by political unionism, then someone else needs to step forward. And and we're very lucky that there's about four or five people that that kind of emerged that time. Derek James, myself, Kenny McFarland, people like Johnny Burgess, Kyle Thompson, you know, it all kind of came through uh, at the one time. And, and I suppose the, the conference at James referred to as almost like a, a culmination of a lot of that, you right. know, that, that we've said, look, we, we've used this model, this Londonderry Bands Forum model in the city, the Northwest Cultural Partnership model. We, we, we think that's transferable because, I mean, whenever we decided to, to kind of look beyond the, the boundaries of Derry Stepan District Council. We mm-hmm. spoke to Alexia yourselves and people from across the province, when the Care, the Impact Network, and I, Research, and all those groups. We were hearing the same thing. We were hearing 
we, we need to, we, there's other people need to stand up. Civic society needs to stand up. Civic unionism needs to stand yeah, up. Yeah. And, and I think that's uh, a lot of where uh, the, the conference can emerge from. Right, okay. And Derek, just to, to kind of bring you in a bit there, um, did you find that this started, to, where these ideas started coming from, and, and obviously you've been involved in the bond form, did there seem like there was a natural kind of dovetailing of work coming together? No, obviously people were maybe having different work focuses, but was there a sense that at some point this all seemed to be converging in the same direction? I think, uh, like I came into all this from the building trade, you know, so I came out from a extremely different angle, you know, because all my life was always about solutions at your work, you know, mm-hmm. to get work done. You had to, you had to work with other people and, and solutions had to be uh, had to be found regardless of, of personality or whatever. So when I came into this year, I was kind of lost at the start, to be honest. I didn't know, really didn't know what, what way right, I, I was okay. going to work. But I suppose, lucky for me, that the first part of work I had to do was with bands and I've always been in the bands world. So, you know, that part of it felt dead easy. Tons of people wanted to work with us at the start. And then, you know, when I started to push out projects that I really would like to do, then, you know, people in the community sector kind of, you know, some of them fell away. And uh, as, as the guys sort of say, like around, around the UK City of Culture stuff and all that there, which was in the year, the year when I started, uh, we started to get together. And, and uh, then, you know, we had ideas among ourselves. And then how, how, how do you bring these big ideas, sure. uh, you know, to, to come forward and stuff? So we had a couple of a major problems, or not major problems, but we had a couple of major things they they overcome right at the start. Sure. Uh, you know, we tried to run stuff on Everton Square, but, you know, they had a policy about no flags and stuff, uh-huh. so we tried to run band stuff with colours and stuff like that. So, you know, so we had to do all that negotiating, and then, you know, you had other people that you could turn to, they say, what do you think we should do this, what do you think we should do that? So the, that that idea of finding solutions to, to, to problems, and we, we have always had kind of, you know, issues in our, in our own city, um, that probably a lot of times early on was shied away from uh-huh. but as soon as we all sort of got together then we started to confront issues and we started to hold people to account and, and uh, so I suppose in, in, in that sense that's where the all the people around the table with different skills you know people a lot more uh, a lot more savvy and a lot more civil than me I would be blunt their times but, but you know I think every there's there, there a place for everybody in it yeah. so uh, Working on that sort of premise, we, we, we kind of did a lot of a lot of work, and it, it really evolved into all these questions about where do we all need to go, or how can we how can sure. we dovetail together? You know, we spend all our time here, and we should all work together. Uh-huh. And in all honesty, not everybody wants to work together. And there's yeah. a lot of gatekeepers there. There's a lot of people there who hold back progress, and hold back sometimes. Uh, in the wrong way, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we all live in this one country. We all have to get on in this one yeah. country. No, I hear what you're saying, because sometimes that whole we all need to work together is almost like a throwaway rallying call, and no one really means it. You know, there's like, yeah, yeah, let's all, let's all come together, and then we'll, we'll let, let's just wait on somebody else taking the lead, and we'll come together with them. So obviously, it's take, it took a bit of time for you to get to the idea of like maybe a conference is something we should be looking at doing. Obviously, a, a lot of issues in terms of a lot of things that you've kind of encountered in terms of your work with the communities and work with different fraternities, organisations and stuff. How difficult was it to narrow it down to the programme that was outlined to us earlier on there? How, how did, how, what was that process like of saying, well, listen, we've got two days. How do we prioritise what we focus on? 
I think, Glenn, what happened was that before we talked about uh, envisioning the future, the, the title was actually Solutions, which Derek has already alluded to here. Mm-hmm. We were adamant that we were going to have two days of positivity, and that in itself was a major uh, change for any previous conferences or, or that type of forums that would have been pulled together. So I think once we got the overriding theme of good news, good templates are out there, um, good practice, uh, you know, all of a sudden, right, we want to focus on solutions here, but we need to show people that here's a community that can actually deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and as, as Derek or Brian said there, you, you look at the resurgence getting up there and doing their presentation, and and you can see the guys, some of the people sitting back in their seats saying, my goodness, how hey, they've achieved that from that yeah. type of thing. You've seen the befores and afters. So, I, look, it became a wee bit easier. It did take a bit of negotiating and thinking and talking to get to there. But once we come up with the overriding theme of solutions, positivity, well, that's that we weren't settling for anything less than that. Okay. And that just kind of all came together. And once you had that, right, it's all about positive. There was a lot of stuff then went to the wayside as a result of that. Look, see, you could have had a, a 22-day conference uh, <laughs> dealing with uh, potential issues that we have here. Yeah. But... At the end of day two, you know, the the outcome that we wanted is, look, we've seen the good practice now. Uh, Brian mentioned there, we have templates that we feel that could work right across the province. Yeah. Now, one size doesn't fit all, and, and we know that, but there was enough ideas, there was enough themes there uh, to, to secure people's thoughts, you know, after the conference. And without ending up with a dislocated shoulder, patting ourselves in the back, but there was a general consensus, they say, you know, potentially, some guys were saying, this could be a game changer. Mm-hmm. Now, that only puts people like us under more pressure <laughs> saying that type of comment. But we will, uh, there was a lot of passionate people, a lot of people that believe in their communities and what they can deliver. And I think for the first time ever, we got a general consensus there that, yes, this network of people have to stick together and deliver collectively. All right. What was it like in the lead up then to that? There obviously, you've got, we're talking some of that years out coming, you know, the closer to the actual delivery of it. In terms of logistics, stress, pressure, all that kind of stuff, what was the, the actual lead up to the, the couple of days of the, camp, the conference actually like for you all? Well, again, briefly, look, we had good people. We took advice. It wasn't just the three guys sitting around this table. It, just, it wasn't just Northwest Culture Partnership. It was people like Professor Pete Sherlow, uh, others from community sectors or different sectors right across the country, and those people that were there were handpicked. There was was personnel there that were just parents of young people that got involved in cultural activity, whether it was bands, highland dancing, music, uh, whatever. You know, so, look, see, certainly it was stressful, but... Because we're a consortium, and it's a wee bit like sitting on here today, Glenn, the technicalities were put in place. Mm-hmm. You were there, you seen the screens. It was almost like uh, being involved in one of them talkback shows on TV, only it lasted for two days long type of thing. So a lot of time, a lot of effort did go into it. But, you know, you're very, you feel secure within yourself whenever you know the level of expertise that you have beside you. Uh, I think certainly there was no element of concern around the technical aspect. I mean, we're very lucky to have a, a broad range of really creative and, and skillful young people in our organisation. Uh, I, I suppose the only concern some of us might have had, including myself, was how maybe the audience would react, because we, mm-hmm. we, like here we were, a group of upstarts from Londonderry coming to speak to 
to people with maybe a lot more years experience than ourselves from right across the province. And as, as James outlined, I mean, we, we were very uh, specific in terms of getting a, a good cross-section of, of, of people from the unionist community, from academia through to the NGO sector to, to ex-combatants and, and a geographical spread. You know, and, and, we were, and, and we were inviting people like yourself and people like Resurgium and, and others with a lot more maybe track record than ourselves. So my concern was, there might have been a wee bit of that, you know, uh, were people going to turn up? You know, were they going to take it seriously? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, were they going to buy into it? And then, of course, there was also the concern of, you know, we were going in there, as James said, you know, with a, a very focused uh, ethos throughout the conference around positivity. And, and I've been to many conferences over the years, and have, and quite often they just descend into a winch fest, particularly if, if you're from Derry. Mm-hmm. Like, you, know, right, okay. uh, you know, so we were saying, how, how are we going to last two days with this level of positivity and are people going to buy into it? Uh, you know, so that was my concern, what the reaction was going to be, but, but thankfully it, it was all very positive. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right. I think there was definitely, you know, the the experience there right across the board was for me. It came across as an extremely professional event, you know, in regards to the the setup, the registration side of things, and then just, you know, the the kickoff from the event was actually really important too for me. Was that something that was planned? The piece of drama that he's got to start off the whole thing, obviously address some of stereotypes and sort of like the typical responses. How much of, was that planned by you guys that you just wanted something that would address that straight off and let, let's deal with the elephant in the room right away? One of the co-authors. I think that was, I think it was a key theme in it. Uh, and believe it or not, like we had a lot of discussion, especially around that part of it, mm-hmm. because we didn't, want, we didn't want to offend anybody overly offend anybody in the room because a lot of those characters represented some of the, the institutions and people who were in the room. So we, we had a we had a we had quite a think about that. But I think the important thing was that, you know, we are practical people in Northern Ireland, you know, and we sort of said we can look at ourselves objectively and we're saying, this is what we look like to the outside world. You know, we can change that and, and we can work on that. And I think the drama worked really, really well. Uh, you know, it, it got a lot of the monkeys off people's backs. And, yeah. and, and, and to be fair, I think on the on the overall thing, I think the professionalism of, of, uh, of Peter's first presentation yeah. uh, and the quality of who it was, um, you know, and, and I think the educational people, you know, there, there was, and, and other people, as, as mentioned there with Sergum, you know, we put ourselves at the bottom of the list for our own contribution. Sure. But, uh, you know, I think that professionalism that really that really set the tone for it, and I think that's along with the technicalities, which were absolutely astounding. I think one of the, one of the big things was when we got there, we didn't have much to do other than the presentation yeah. and, and present ourselves. Yeah. You know, everything else was was there waiting. You know, so we weren't running around with the worry of trying to mm. keep everything going and everything everybody happy. Everything else was there. So well, that's it. If the tech gets in the way, then you know you've lost the plot straight away. But definitely, you couldn't have started any better with the, with the drama, and then obviously with Pete kicking off with his an extremely positive, you know, input around the the union and why the union and benefits is all really dead set the tone. Did anybody come and talk to you about the drama afterwards though, just in terms of uh, that it hit home with them or anything? Did you get much feedback in that direction? Well, yeah. we, have, we, have, we have feedback from people but it's only been a few weeks and we haven't, like you, you mentioned yourself early on, we haven't got round to all the technicality stuff, yeah. so, so we, we, we have a lot of it there, but no, I think it's 
went really well. There, there has been quite a bit of feedback, uh, you know, in general, but uh, yes, about the drama and, you know, getting the scene set for that, you know, here's something different. You've got 70 people sitting in a room and they're saying, my goodness, we're starting off where we show here type uh-huh. of thing. Not realising that they were actually one of the characters <laughs> up on stage there as well. Um, look, the, the, the trick is on the title, Northwest Culture Partnership, and as already alluded to, we do use the, the power of performing arts, and we, we just think, you know, one of our partners, Johnny Burgess, Blue Eagle Productions, who's had many productions out there looking at uh, different issues, and but it's a great way of encouraging and enticing people to enter into discussion and dialogue. Oh, definitely. Such as the strength, uh, you know, performing arts. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. There. I thought it was it was, it was definitely a, a great start in terms of that. Maybe what would be useful for us to talk about is as well is your own personal experiences throughout the, the conference. You know, what was aside from just being organisers? You know, what what were some of the standout parts for you? What what did you walk away from with it outside of the fact that it went it went really well? What were some of the standout moments outside of the drama and Peter Shirley? Was there anything else that you were going that was definitely worth us organising this for? Well, a very short comment from me, and I'll hand over to the guys. Um, a defining moment for me was that everybody that was there on day one come back on day two. Right. Okay. So that, that that took a lot of that was a lot of stress relief as far as I'm concerned. Okay. And, and I think I I think for myself too, it's really exactly the one thing. There was no there was no huge fall off. There was nobody there was nobody slipping away after an hour or two hours that you normally see a lot of things. It, it, it did engage people. But I think the you know I think the overall thing was the positivity and the talk outside the the the. the the conference, you know, at lunch, at everything else, when other people were coming up, they trying to, uh, you know, trying to network and say, you know, could you help us out next year on this part, or could you do stuff there, or you know, can we get together, can, you know, so the the, the connections within it um, were 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 actually very very good too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it was a little tip before. I mean, someone made the comment that it was a a, a game changer. I mean, to me, it was really it, it was a fact that. You know, although we've been telling people for, who's willing to listen for as long as, for, for years, you know, and, and, you know, what we've picked up on our travels and, and speaking to other pro-union members of the community was was kind of endorsed over those two days. Hey, people are sick of listening to negativity. There's so much good practice going on there. You know, there's a disconnect between civic unionism and political unionism, but we need to be bringing it together, and, and, and let's, let's collectively do that. And there wasn't one dissenting voice over the two days, and... You know, I know people stayed right to the end, even the two graveyard shifts, but I mean, they did that because they were just, I think people were just relieved to, to, to spend two days speaking and, and, and hearing of, of, of like-minded people and, and, and that, you know, that we have a lot to, we have a lot to offer our wee country and, and, and let's promote it in a, in a positive way. And I think that was the, you know, the, the, the impressive and the pleasing, pleasing thing for me. Yeah. Did you just come away almost like reinvigorated in any shape or form? We you know obviously you haven't put a lot of effort into putting the thing on, you know, and then obviously experiencing, you know, what was going on. Did you come away with going, right, here's momentum for us to, to go for it? Actually fueled your own, you know, desire to see things pan out yourself? Yeah, well I think I mean Johnny Burgess always talks about the big number at the end, you know, that keeps people thinking as they leave the room. And I suppose we were quite clever in the sense that we bookended it with the drama at the start and then Amy Gardner singing at the end so people were kind of I think, reinvigorated and had pride in their 
you know, being Northern Irish. But I think it, the work was done before that too. You know, the, the the feedback we were getting, the tweets, you know, the from people who were there and saying, look, this was fantastic. We need to we need to keep this momentum going. The fact that we then as a group met. Uh, very soon afterwards, and we've been trying to keep that momentum going because we we know it's a very small wonder with these things, and and, and uh, people move on move on very quickly, you know. But now I think the the challenge is, I mean, we're already talking about organising the political workshop potentially at Stormont, hopefully on on Monday. You know, we've spoken to political leaders, we've we've kept in contact with academics and and, and the the other panelists, and, and and we're keen to to move it forward. We're you know, we're we're looking to develop now a steering group based on the broader participation who were there at the time. You know, to, to, to be that focal point to keep that momentum going. But so you know we've all got uh, other responsibilities. But but we're confident the, the energy and the thirst and the desire uh, you know is there. You know, uh, going forward. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose uh, the surprising thing coming away from it was well, maybe not surprising. The next year it was going to be so positive uh, and left ourselves with the with the. The knowledge that we're going to have to keep this going, uh, you know, it, it's not going to falter. You know, mm-hmm. the people do want it, so uh, it's really up to us to drive it forward. And like as Brian said, there we kind of realise the amount of work that that's going to take. But that's that's why this this type of thing and and you know is going on. I suppose, um, you know, I, I've been fairly inspired this last year. So even listening to your your own stuff without uh, you know uh, <laughs> it's giving you giving you too much, but. You know, I've never listened to a podcast in my life. They, I started listening to the bands, uh, the made the parade stuff, uh, and I kind of realised how, how actually powerful that people talking and other people listening really is. And I think that you know, coming back from the conference, I think that's you know, one of the things I took away was a lot of people were there. They listened, they took it in, and they actually commented on it, which is really powerful. Yeah, no, I think that was really useful for me as well. You know, one. I re- the broad stroke in terms of who was represented there because sometimes you can bring a group uh, from the, the PL community together and you're almost stuck with the same stereotypes. Here's such and such and here's whatever. But there's such a wide base of people there, you know, and, and even some of that that middle ground people that, that, that Peter talked about, you know, the, the guys that are, you know, are pro-union but just don't know where they stand in regards to the political side of things. Those guys being able to get up and, and say, well, listen, that's me. That, that's where I am, and this is how I feel about stuff. And I thought that was absolutely great. Yeah. And, and again, and, uh, we've got to remember as well, I mean, the, the kind of broader context to all this and the, the broader importance to, to it is the fact that, you know, that, that, that what we're doing and all that group are doing is reflecting what broader society and within unionism in Northern Ireland is thinking. And, and the important thing now, particularly in the lead-up to an election in May or whatever it is, is that our political representatives uh, need to hear all this. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think we might have been a wee bit cynical at times during the conference in terms of, you know, our, uh, expressing our apathy towards political leadership. But, I mean, I, th- I think, as I mentioned during the conference myself, you know, we all, we all want unified unionism and, and we all want uh, a political process that works and we want a sort of collective strategic thinking going forward so I mean uh, to me an important really important thing going forward now is that that the findings through the document through whatever medium is, is given out to our political leaders and we have spoken to them without divulging any names we have spoken to them about this process and, and we, we, we would hope that in January, January they'll take that 
Og Rundbrisse, just us beatness drum anymore. It's, it's, it's representatives from, as you said, from across Northern Ireland, from a broad spectrum of, of backgrounds. Yeah, I think it was great that the fact that the, the politicians worked there. It was almost, it's almost like, you know, whenever you're facilitating something and, you, and your boss is in the room or you feel you know, like you don't know whether you can speak freely at times or do you, uh, is this person actually going to take on board what I said? And I think that was definitely the right strategy, guys, in regards, you know, like getting a, a freedom of speech coming out for people to say what it what on your mind there's a freedom here you know doesn't necessarily matter as long as this is positive then nothing's off the, the table here you know so you got to feel good about that well just to give you an example glenn there was one young lady who i encouraged to sit on a panel who phoned me the night before and says james i don't think i'm up for this here right uh and believe me i'm not a public speaker um and, and I says, look, see, now she's in this building that we're, we're in here today and she's already taken part in your podcast. And, and I sat down, I talked to the young lady and I says, you won't be put under any pressure. You won't be asked difficult questions. This is about your story. Now, I, I seen how that lady performed up there and absolutely brilliant, absolutely magic as far as I'm concerned. And it was great to hear about a week after in your podcast uh, mm-hmm. where she sat and discussed with yourself for almost an hour you know, looking at local issues, she touched on the conference as well, yeah. uh, and her her thoughts coming from that. You know, so that, that's the type of empowerment. That's the type of that's the opportunity. But I think what people need to realise that was at that conference, they organised it as well as us. We mm. were influenced by what other people were doing in other areas. We only pushed a few buttons, you know, at the end of the day, and we invited a few speakers and a few panelists. Uh-huh. But it's the people, the seventy people that were sitting in there, that actually created the themes and everything without them realising that. Yeah. You know, I've had conversations in the last two, three years about this without actually saying what, is, what it was about type of mm-hmm. thing, you know. So um, everybody needs to take a bit of credit that was there. No, I think, and was there a hope then of some kind of ripple effect, you know, that this would stir something up and that people would go out and say, listen, here's what's happened to me here. This is You've got to hear some of this stuff. And the hope that that stirs up some of that response that you're looking to get. Because, as you say, I mean, it's it's almost like a microcosm of this, the, 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 the unionist community in regards there's a, so much work that needs to be done. And it's like, oh, where do you start? And getting some the momentum or get, at least getting a start-up or getting some kind of fire, saying, listen, there's something really positive for us to get involved in. Did, did you sense that, that there was going to be, like, this has a potential to ripple out and, and see people coming back and going, well, listen, we want to be involved? Well, uh, personally, we were hoping that was going to be the uh, effect that it would have on people, organisations, and, and I suppose, again, another example... Uh, as somebody who's a member of the Orange Institution and uh, got the, the, about a week later the Orange Standard and if you go to page 20 it's a, it's a full page very positive on uh, the conference and that was coming back from the representatives that they had there. Right. Now Brian, myself and Georgina who uh, talked a bit about Solo School of Highland Dance and mm-hmm. her experiences there. We were invited to Hillsborough on the Thursday night. Bearing in mind this was the day after the, the finish of the conference and whenever the Secretary of State's standing talking to you and saying, right guys, we need to take it to the next level. That's whenever the pressure's on a wee bit then, <laughs> Glenn, you know, so... And, and that's great, but it has to be collective. Brian alluded to it. It's a team effort. It's everybody that was there. We can't do it on our own. And I don't think that'll be the case. 
Okay, so that leads me nicely on, though. You've, you've kind of hinted about where things might be going next, and you've a lot of stuff to kind of, you know, sift through and kind of, you know, evaluate and, and then try and develop some kind of action plans and stuff. But wh- wh- what is coming next, then? Where, where are you going with this? Well, I mean, the, uh, I mean the, the, this process will, will hopefully keep building uh, momentum, Glenn. I mean, uh, if you remember during the, the, the two days of the conference, we talked about this idea of a, a, a cultural hub across the province, mm-hmm. you know, or, or kind of a series of cultural hubs. I mean, our, our model of the Northwest Cultural Partnership, it isn't rocket science. It, it's, it's about bringing together like-minded groups, you know, that, you know, that maybe are peripheral or, or felt fragmented. I mean, you're a fair tit about there's so much stuff we need to be doing. To me, it's about starting from the grassroots up, working with the organisations that are already there. And in, in the Northwest, I mean, there's a number of sporting clubs, Orange Halls, community groups, bands, that are almost working in isolation. You know, and, and what we've tried to do through our model is, is bring all those groups together mm-hmm. and into one central pot called the Northwest Cultural Partnership. And what we're trying to do is encourage or identify and encourage that model to be replicated across the province. I mean, we, we have taken the proposal through New Decade, New Approach to, to uh, the Secretary of State and, and, and others, and, and, you know, and we're looking at potentially identifying six similar-minded hubs across Northern Ireland, but realistically, you, you mean you could have one in each council area, and that's about each of those kind of bringing through, look, going out, reaching out to those peripheral groups uh, and, and, and bringing them within this context. So, so to me, the long-term aim is to develop that process. And when we've always been looking at, uh, you know, what kind of organisation or what kind of group brings all that together. And we talked to start briefly about creating a, a steering group or a representative group from the conference. You know, to me, I think that representative group could be the, the core executive committee of, of the hub idea. Sure. So it's a simple process. Get six hubs, get six good people. And I mean, we, we were lucky 10 years ago, we had Derek Moore uh, brought into St. Columns Park House. He sat in a porta cabin for, you know, that was his job. And it was out of this acorn, developed the London Dairy Bands for him. James Key was doing something similar, very similar out in the rural sticks of Brady. Another acorn that came together, and now now we have this kind of organisation that's doing a lot of good work, working with hundreds of young people in schools right across the Derry Stabane District Council area. Get the right people, get the right person in each of these hubs, and let them uh, let them develop. We've, we've recently recruited Jeff Musgrove from uh, OMA, who we're hoping will do the same. You know, so it's about that, and and, and, let, and, and let's get that collective voice going. Okay, so there's a, an element of not just actually. Talking about this, you're actually starting to implement already. You're finding ways of how can we influence the communities uh, surrounding us, and let's get some level of enablement going on there, so that you know there's a there's a platform for people to launch off and see that there's something practical actually coming out of this, rather than you know because all we've heard for years and years from our politicians has been has been talks about talks about talks, and not really seeing some of the action that we want to see. These guys seem to be putting something on the map. Well, well and, and we're perfectly, I mean, the timing's perfect at the moment because not only have we an election coming up and politicians wanting quick ones, but we're in the middle of a process around potential legislation around the cultural act come from Westminster. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mean, we, 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 we've been, <laughs> maybe been contrary to, to what some unions think, we, we're actually of the opinion that, that this cultural act could be really, really important in terms of 
of uh, bringing pro-union and pro-British culture up to to equi- up to parity to to Irish culture. I mean, we, we had a, a meeting with a government official uh, the this morning, and, and one of our colleagues referred to it as, as cultural level and up. You know, potentially this cultural act that mm-hmm. you know that we're starting to get inve- potentially could get investment into marching bands and into Highland dance and to lang- into Ulster Scots language and to heritage and to education. You know, we, 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 the models are out there. We saw them during yeah. the conference. You know, so uh, we, here we have potentially an opportunity for that investment to, to go in and really make this stuff work. Yeah, Derek, talk to me a bit about that from the band's perspective. Well, I mean, from a band's perspective, you're, you're in a band yourself, Glenn. You know, I mean, bands uh, have only recently started getting a, getting a few pound, and, and it is a very, very few pound, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, a lot of investment can be done there, especially in the, you know, we spoke before about the educational level in the schools, yeah. about teaching the, the instruments in the schools, teaching the meaning of it, and, and teaching the, the significance of it. Um, and I suppose... Uh, all we've really done, you know, we, we had, we, we've always had it the whole way back to the, the apprentice boys taking money from a fund to support some, you know, the first thing we as a PEL community do is turn around and condemn that, mm-hmm. you know, and the the chances of, uh, you know, maybe the same kind of negativity appearing now when we have an opportunity, instead of looking over our shoulder, we should look forward for ourselves yeah. and we should, we, we should look at that and we should, we should take it, we should take it with us. There's a lot of things that we need to, uh, that we need that we need help with, um, you know. There's 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 the the hub idea itself. There's an opportunity there because that that structures already there within the the culture lands and the Gaelic clubs in this in this country. You know, so you know maybe maybe now is the chance for us to, to to create that same sort of thing. But I suppose it's not only about looking at that. It's about looking at future leaders. It's about getting mm. young people in. It's about getting debate. It's about getting discussion. Things we never do. You know, we're we're comfortable. Sitting in a bar watching football, chatting them, you know, yeah, yeah. but we're not comfortable getting young people and they discuss what's good and bad about the country, or what's been good or bad about, uh, you know, Northern Ireland, Ireland in the past. You know, how how do we take it all forward? How do they take it forward for themselves? It's not, not our. It wouldn't be our time. It'll be their time. You know, so we need to get them young people there, and, and we need to get them debating and looking forward for themselves and the future. Talk to me a wee bit more about the work that you guys do in schools, especially around the, the learning of instruments and dance and stuff like that, folks. Because I think that that's something that's, that's really important for people to grasp. You know that because some people see this as a as a close education as a closed, you know, it's a closed chapter. You can't get in on it, you know. But you guys are making inroads and that there and and doing it very well. Talk to talk to the listeners a wee bit about what programs you have going on or how they're actually going. Well, the programmes we have going on, we've got uh, full-time tutors. We have a full-time tutor delivering uh, tuition on Highland bagpipes, B-flat flute and Highland dancing. Uh, now, these are these are two instruments and, a, and a, an art form of Highland dance that offer accreditation to kids. Now, this isn't something that happens overnight, Glenn. Uh, you know, th- this package has been developed and created over a period of years, seven, eight years. And, you know... Before it was a really, really tough sell to get into schools. But mm-hmm. I, again, another example. I remember sitting in a school in London, Derry, a secondary school, and um, you know, a, a controlled school. And you mentioned Ulster Scotch, and you mentioned bagpipes, and you mentioned flutes, and say, "Oh, we don't want to." It's almost that, as if you were going to offend somebody, mm-hmm. and I don't want to offend some of the kids' parents and stuff like that. This is that right. Uh, you know, and I always keep something up my sleeve and say, do you realise that you've uh, got two 16-year-old kids in here? No, sorry, 14-year-old kids with 75 UCAS points. 
And uh, the head teacher system made some possible. And then, of course, I give a rationale as to no, it wasn't impossible. He did have the kids within the school. And once you create a package to sell something as positive of that as that there, well, all of a sudden then they're all over you, right? Now we can't meet the demand. Right, okay. You know, uh, the only thing I would differ with, and, and Brian's comments earlier on, Brian, about six hubs, I'm saying we need 11, one in each council area. Right, okay. Uh, I always say it's easier to come down than it has to go up sometimes, <laughs> you know. But um, no, we're, we're te- the, the three tutors are teaching approximately 900 kids wow. a week uh, right. through the curriculum, but that's not counting the outreach work that they do. Sure. You know, for example, the Highland Dance is anywhere from Cookstown right up to uh, Oma, uh, Drum Quinn area, and anywhere in between. But... No, we're sitting now, this is something that started in the year 2000, whenever a, a tutor come across from Fife in Scotland, spent nine years with us. So our uh, young dancers that started then are now uh, accredited teachers within their own right. And I've got two people, Georgina, who manages all that, and Emily, who has decided to take that up as a career going forward, and they're okay. now employed full time. But that's, that's a typical model that I know can work province-wide and thank fair play to the education authority have jumped on board and supported it the only issue we have it's it's sort of year on year mm-hmm. commitment come the end of march and you don't know if you're going to be employed in the first of april type of thing sure. so that's where the lobbying and, and the influence will continue to make sure that we do get the opportunity to deliver that right across the province yeah it should be the goodness some of the results of that should be really hitting home with them i know it's different you know they've got obviously there's budget and priorities and all that kind of stuff but the the, the teachers and the schools you're working with have got to be seeing benefits from you guys being and working with them we did hear the two teachers speaking that day, and again, look, see, it's, it's, it's a tough uh, occupation being a school teacher in any school, and we know that, and they are willing to dovetail, we keep using this word dovetail, uh, with community, you know, with the outreach work providers that's there. We heard guys there, I think it was uh, Stephen and Andrew, who do outreach youth development work after schools work. Mm-hmm. And there is a willingness there for schools to link all that together. And don't forget, we Ginny that's learning Highland Dancing, or we Johnny that's learning the B-flat flute, they've got mammies and daddies in homes and aunts and uncles. And that's why it is such a big, massive constituency that has been created here. And, and, and there's, certain, there's certainly been an issue as well around, and James touched on it, that kind of cultural shift that's needed within schools. It's taken a while for the schools in London. We always talk about, use the example of, you know, with a... A young uh, Catholic kid was standing with a boat run at a bus station. They were seen as a musician, whereas if a young Protestant with a flute was standing, he was seen as a bigot uh, or a thug. And, 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 and that cultural mentality f- fed within even the, 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 the Protestant or so-called Protestant schools as well. So it's taken, it's taken a while to change that, and, and, mm. and it hasn't, it, that still hasn't reached the end of the road. I think Michael Allen, thankfully at the conference, talked about, you know, that and he's, he, he was Michael was in, in a band himself in Nelson Drive, so he gets it, you know. But he talked about having, you know, a, a, a genuine commitment to community development or, or a genuine commitment to community integration. Some schools just pay, pay lip service to it, you know. Yeah. And you know, and it's not just, I suppose, uh, you cast points in the musicianship, but it's a fact that you know you have young bands, men who, quite often, for example, are the, the low education attainers mm-hmm. within their communities or, or the, the young people within their communities with low self-esteem and, and, and being in a band and, and, and then you know having that respected in school as well by teachers you know sure. as, as, as musicians has a huge positive impact in terms of self-esteem as well so I think the teachers are, are starting to maybe potentially recognize that yeah I know 
And, and the, the other thing about it is, on the flip side of that, you know, and, and through my work in the band from early on and stuff, we were also able to take that culture in the, the maintained sector and take away the mysticism about mm. being in a band, about what yeah. it was like, you know. And and I think that really that really paid dividends in our own council area. Uh, you know, the fact that, that, that you were in, that you were asking, you were getting asked questions. Uh, I mean, I always say, like, we went the first time we did it, we were expecting a whole raft of things about, you know, parading through contentious areas and sure. stuff. But to be honest, the questions that came is, what does bands do for disabled people? What do they do for for yeah. uh, gender issues? You know, why why mm-hmm. why is there such a disparity? Uh, you know, for bands men and bands women, like sure. you know, why is it why is the girls carrying the flags uh-huh. and not doing the fluting and stuff? You know, you've had it yourself on the on, on the on the podcast thing. You know, so that's the flip side of that. There has also allowed us. It's it's as James was earlier about the about the theatrical discussions. Mm-hmm. It, it opens up that discussion. And the, and the, just on the, your your own community environment, and it allows people to question why and what you do it for, yeah. you know, and that has allowed us to sort of give a rationale that you know you don't practice three hundred and sixty five days to offend somebody for one day. That's for yeah. sure. You know, you you understand that better than anybody. So, and and that's why we get the that's why we get the language thing, you know, because you know if people are interested, then they're interested. For me, it's just like playing a flute. You know, sure. it's great to get the first five words out, but then you have to start stringing the sentences together. It's just yeah. like playing the tunes, you know, and that's when the difficulties start. But that's that's where it's kind of important for that. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like you're echoing something that, you know, it's definitely, you know, part of my own thought process behind me at the parade. And I suppose some of the other new media things that have, that have come out of the, the community as well is that, that, that understanding is better than knowledge. You know, to be able to understand what's going on rather than what it is you think you might know is a completely different scenario. And one of the things that's come out very, very strongly from what I'm hearing you guys saying is, is the importance of something so simple as relationships. Being in relationship with people and building relationships with schools, building relationships with other agencies is so important in order to make sure that one, our voice gets heard, but also two, that it does do this demystification of who who we are and what it is that we actually do and stuff, you know, and I think that's so important. Um, but yet, it doesn't take much. I mean, building relationships are stuff that's part of everyday life. I think it, it doesn't take much, and it just brought something into my head there. The, the first time Michael Allen actually came to the band's room, what he actually asked the band's room to do was to tell the young band members that went to school, come to school the way you go to your band, be dressed, have your uniform clean and tidy, know your stuff, and and the people that's teaching you, listen to what they're saying and do what you're asked. He says, if they, can, if they can do that in the band and they can do that in the school, we all get on better together. You know, and it was a simple message, but it was, you know, it was, it was just, it was straightforward. Yeah. No, I get it. I think that's where maybe that even, you talked a lot about that level and upside of things as well. And that's, for me, that's where this starts. It starts with, are we willing to have relationships? Because what, regardless of who we engage with or how we engage with them, that doesn't water down who we are or what we're, what's important to us. And I think there's almost sometimes a fear sometimes of engagement because, oh, what do we have to, what do we have to give up or we're going to be tainted by this. If we take this particular pot of money, that, you know, that's us tainted as a result of that. And the way I always thought, I remember talking about it, it's like, well, you know what, money changes character when it changes hands. You know, so, it, it, you know, what we do with it is, is you know, it doesn't for me it doesn't matter where it comes from as long as you know what we're doing with it is pretty good so folks in terms of maybe trying to maybe tie things up a wee bit here in regards to closing off 
What would you? What would your your closing thoughts be in regards to what your hopes are for the work that you're doing now in the future? Well, I just hope we can take it to the next level. Um, I'm just chuffed to bits that I feel that we had people within the room the two days of the conference uh, that are, let's say, they've been very, very persuasive since and making sure that we do try and take it to the next level um, and turn, you know, like I told you today, Glenn, the, the people in the room, those are the guys that created that opportunity, not only us, uh, because they did create the themes and, it, and they do like that positivity, but... Um, Look, the momentum's there, the passion's there, and if you can get people with momentum and passion, something will come out the other end. And if we focus, uh, I know that I wasn't at the meeting, but the guys met with, um, let's say, uh, an MP and one of the top politicians in this country there on Friday. And I've, I've alluded to Georgina on a couple of occasions, and she actually stopped this guy talking and saying, hang on a wee minute. Should we not focus on what we can deliver and what we want to deliver? Would that not be our best strategy? Mm -hmm. Certainly we have to keep an eye on what's happening in different circles and everything else. But we need to remember that we need to strategize for what we want to see in 10, 15 years' time. And uh, I think the certain person took it on board. And um, let, let's just say, Glenn, watch this space. Okay, I'll be days. Yeah, and, and I, I, my hope would be that uh, you know we carry on the positiveness from from the, the the stuff I had from the from the conference. But you know the, we don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You know we we don't turn down opportunities because of what we think mm. it might it might do for someone else. You know we look at we look at what it can do for ourselves and what yeah. it can do for our own our own culture and our own future and, and our own expression of it. And for me, that's everything. Yeah. Yeah, and, and somebody to add to that, I said, I hope that in two or three years' time we aren't still talking about fractured unionism, mm. but we're, we're talking at a, yeah. a more collective level. Yeah, brilliant. I, I think uh, that's spot on for me, because if, if there was anything that was a tired phrase for me, it's, it's that. It's, it's fractured unionism, and it's been, it's been fractured that long, you know, you, there's no, the NHS couldn't sort it out and stuff, you know, so for me, definitely if we can get a real collective, a real sense of listen stuff's working and, and seeing quick wins and i think you know but the, it's also about being in this for the long term you know this isn't about just short sharp shock it's about we need to have people who are committed to this for the long term you guys didn't turn this around in six months you are talking years of strategies and years of connection years of hitting pounding the street and making sure that people listen to what you have to say and you know changing your own strategies changing your own thought process challenging yourselves in regards to like some i'm sure some of the stuff that you guys have had to do over the last years is is put your backs up a bit and like kind of going God, what am i actually doing here you know what this is challenging yourself you know and going what are other people's perceptions of this going to be as well but for the greater good you're, you're pressing through and I think that that's, that's great and I hope that you know we get to be a part of that journey as well the, the guys that are involved in Made to Parade i.e. me and uh, one, maybe one other person uh, as I say I'm, I'm up front I think it's positive I mean that's my you know one of my taglines for the things is all about positive stories sharing a positive side of things and I think that that's extremely important so folks thank you very much for taking the time out to be on Made to Parade sharing about the conference and sharing about some of the hopes that you have for for the Unionist Loyalist community in the future. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. You have been listening to the Made to Parade podcast, sponsored by the British Drum Company, where Phantom, Regimental Series and Axial Parade Drums are hand-built in the UK to look amazing, sound amazing and feel amazing. <laughs>